episode 149 of the Mash Those Buttons Mashcast. I am Jared, and I'm here with the scourge of Ironforge and games industry public defender, Nick Zelenkevich. Hey, how's everybody doing? Uh, how are you doing, Nick? I'm doing okay. It's been a long week. It's been a good, kind of a slow week. Well, ga- yeah, games-wise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess that's actually good because, you know, when real life interferes, uh, you kind of want a slow week games-wise because otherwise then you got too much on your plate. So That's very, very true. Yeah. Yeah, so we don't well, don't have that much to cover, I guess, today. I'm looking at all of our topics, like news bites and articles combined, and it's less than, like, I think our previous news bites from last week. Yes. So this should uh, just be fairly easy, but you guys know us. We can We can talk a topic to death. So, you know, if you want that two-hour match cast, speak now. <laughs> Please don't. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> All right, let's let's uh, let's get started. So, uh, last week we talked about, you know, there was an 11-year-old kid who got his account deleted on Destiny because he trusted somebody online and gave him the control on SharePlay. Well, I guess that person who actually did it, because, you know, the story coming out of the other side was, well, you know, the the Kermit the Frog, the guy who actually owns that tag, you know, didn't do it. It was somebody that was over his house that did it. And uh, that person has been found. Uh, I don't think they, they, they didn't really say his name, but uh, he basically had a very non-apology. <laughs> I, I don't, it was not an apology at all. Yeah. <laughs> to use that word is a complete uh, misrepresentation of the situation. I mean, the the, the kid's an asshole, an yeah. unrepentant asshole. And uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. You know, his his message to the other kid is to suck it up. That That's, that's it. <laughs> it's it's I mean, not just that, but apparently he's done this before. Apparently he's gone over to the to the friend's house, and, and uh, I think in GTA as well as Destiny, he's deleted some accounts and, and, and stuff from the items. I think there's at least uh, three other incidents uh, that they know of where he's done this. And when asked if he'd do it again, he said maybe, maybe not. Like he clearly has no sense of responsibility for what happened, no concern for other people. Um, so, you know, I mean, he's a borderline sociopath. Um, and that's, I don't know. I mean, and and the thing too, is that his, you know, I guess he's not exactly the friend of the kid whose account he used. Cause I guess the kid has a, he's one of 11 siblings. And so he's friends with one of the other siblings and the family of the Kermit the Frog account has been getting harassed because people without really looking into the situation just saw that that's the account that did this. So clearly, you know, that guy's responsible. I mean, we even kind of, uh, kind of assumed that we didn't really believe this story last week, uh, when we talked about this first. Um, and so you've got a lot of people making threats at the Kermit the Frog account, you know, that people have found out where the house is and they're making threats there. And he shows no remorse for that even, that his friend's family is being harassed because of his actions. And he doesn't even care about that. So, I mean, this guy's just a complete, a complete piece of shit. And it's, you know, and, and it really fundamentally that's what it comes down to as far as, you know, you got to watch out for a piece of shits online because, you're not going to see them coming. Got to watch out for them in life too. You really don't want to deal with piece of shits at all. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. One of my questions is where does he keep finding these idiots that are letting them, you know, get you know, share play their accounts? Yeah, 
Like, I mean, if he's said this multiple times, like, maybe if you actually go looking for him, you'll find him. Well, it's, well, the thing, too, though, is if he's doing it from other people's accounts, if he's not actually doing it from his own account, it makes, you know, there's that added level of difficulty in tracking him down. I mean, ultimately, you shouldn't be trusting anybody, but, you know, especially if you played with somebody on an account a few times, and then that one time you play with that account, and you know, this guy just happens to be there instead of your, the person you normally trust, you know, but that's that's the risk you take. Well, that's true. That is very that is uh very true. You could be using uh, that as a crutch, but at least in this case, that wasn't that's not what happened. In this case, the kid, the kid's friend, uh, hit, hit the guy he was playing with invited Kermit the Frog, or you know the guy who's playing as Kermit the Frog and somebody else into their group, and the kid let him have the share play. Yeah, you know? and and that that is what really that's what really did it. Um, but yeah, I mean. The kid is an asshole. Like he, who I don't even know how old this guy is. He, he well, he's clearly an asshole, and he'll he'll do it again. Seventeen. The kid is seventeen. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, which is old enough to know better. Oh, I'm, no, I was fucking eleven years old is old enough to know better. Yeah. Like you, <laughs> you're right. It is very. Uh, he might be a sociopath. Or he might just not care because online shit. Like you know, he might not even really be a gamer. You know, he like you know, he just he just plays games. Well, no, it, yeah. it, does gamer or not, it doesn't matter. The guy's just a complete dick. Well, no, because if you're a gamer, you there's a different, you have a different view on people's accounts and their progress and stuff like that than somebody who's like, it's just a game. No, I'll, I'll I'll give you that, but at the same time, you can also be a gamer and a dick. Oh well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You can be both. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you're more likely to. I mean, gamer dicks, <laughs> gamer dicks. Like it's, <laughs> let's, it's not, let's not name the podcast. Yeah, we're not gonna name the podcast <laughs> gamer dicks. But um, I don't know. I would think that they would take a different approach, like deleting somebody's account, like deleting some items or something like that is one thing. You know, like I, that's something a gamer dick I think would do. Like they go into an account, delete some exotics or something like that. But to delete an entire account and then just say suck it up. You know that that's a to- that's a whole another level. Yeah. yeah but, you know something's wrong with this kid. Yes. <laughs> Clearly something's wrong with him. Like, he is not normal. This is not a normal thing. He's like whatever. So I'm curious what the other what the what the parents of the you know Kermit the Frog account what they like what are they gonna do? You know, is the kid can he not come over anymore? Do they talk to his parents? Well, do the I would parents like, even care? Like, I would, I would like to think that, and I think the parents have to be affected because, like I said, the family's been getting harassed. But yeah, with what 10, 10 or eleven kids, you know, like that can be a handful to to, to manage all of that. And especially right. if the one kid is still convalescing from the car accident and stuff. So I'm talking I mean, about like the kids of of the the parents of the kid who did the actual deleting. Oh, I, his par- his parents don't give a fuck. There's no way. Well, I mean, that's the same. Like, that's some type of legal action that they can take because, like, this what the the, the the actions that this kid did is now leading to harassment and threats and all types of shit. And they, they and they it's proven like they have proof that the kid did it. Like, he admitted yeah. that he did it. You know, he admitted that he did it. He doesn't care. Like, so can they, can they take some type of legal action? Like, you know, I, you're causing this hardship. I think at this point, the burden of legal action is against the people making the threats against the family. Because it, even if his, uh, even if this kid technically caused, you know, caused the inciting event, I think you know technically there's nothing illegal about deleting somebody else's destiny account. He's, he's, he, I think he's 
legally clear. But I I am not a lawyer, especially I think this is all in Britain too for some reason. So I don't think that that kid was speaking like American English. No, no. Well, which which kid? Oh, the 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 kid that got his account deleted. Yeah, no, he's he's not British. I thought for some reason I thought the other family was in Britain. Oh, I didn't see that. Come on, maybe I'm making that up. Maybe I just want everybody to be British. Oh, Nick, why do you hate yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's the conclusion to that story, at least for now. You know. Uh, next, uh, looks like Dying Light has a special edition that oh, was a, I'm looking at. It's, there we go. It's $387,000. Uh, it's, it's actually 250 euros, but it converts to 387,000 um, dollars. Basically, what it comes with, it's called the My Apocalypse Edition. It comes with you get your face in the game, you get zombie survival parkour lesson, parkour lessons, which I don't know how good parkour is gonna do in an actual zombie apocalypse. Uh, a custom-built zombie-proof shelter, like a real one. Those cost a hundred thousand dollars. Okay. Uh, you also, what else do you get? You get, uh, signed steel, four, four signed steel box. No, so you get, yeah, you get four, you get four copies of the game in the signed steel box. You get two Razer Zimet headphones. You get a human size, uh, vial, let's see. What is that? It's, uh, it's basically a human size zombie statue. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at it, yeah. That's, that's basically a human size zombie statue. Uh, branded night vision goggles, adult diapers, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a round trip to Techland to see the developers and you know play with them. I guess so. All that can be yours for three hundred eighty-seven thousand dollars. Like when 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 devs give out have you know special editions like this, it is pure marketing. Yes. I, think, I wouldn't even say that the dev has this. I would say this is the, the publisher and the marketing team. Yeah. But the thing is, like, they have to at least have this shit in place just in case. You know, just in case somebody actually ponies up and buys this shit. Well, if somebody ponies up and buys this shit, like, they're clearly covering the cost of the house. I mean, how much do the adult diapers really cost? Right. I mean, some of the other features, it's like, okay, so we'll send you out to Poland and we'll we'll, we'll get your face in the game. Like, that... You know, that's effort, but I don't think that that costs a lot necessarily. And I'm sure they've got those statues, those human-sized statues for marketing anyway somewhere, so. Right. It's, no, yeah, I mean, the whole point of doing this is to get people like us to talk about it, so we fell for this. Yeah. <laughs> we well, didn't get $37,000, but we still bought it. Yeah. Wasn't there, there was a, a recently, wasn't there a game, there was a uh, a car game that had a special edition that was like, $150,000, something like that, and it came with a Lamborghini. Yes. I can't remember who it was that had that. So, yeah, like, these are, like, pure marketing, and I'm just kind of like, your game already has, like, a lot of attention. Why do you need to pull a marketing stunt like this? I mean, it could be worse. They could have tried to manufacture something else, you know? Was it Grid 2? I don't think so. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. But yeah, if if you got the cash and you really like Dying Light that much, go for it. You know? Was it you, Saints Row 4? The Dangerous Wadwad edition? I don't think so. 
Um, now I'm looking. I thought it was a racing game. Wait, no, no, no. Actually, no. Saints Row Four had an edition which included a brand new Toyota Prius. Oh, really? (laughs) Yes. Wow. So, oh, and a trip to space with Virgin Galactic, and that was all for. Oh, that was one million dollars. Oh, well, yeah. See, that's yeah. Yeah, like this is all. Yeah. That's all marketing. Okay, so. Next up, we have the, uh, some Resident Evil 2, I guess, uh, Resident Evil Revelations 2 advertising discrepancies. Um, it looks like the PC version of Resident Evil Revelations 2 uh, is not going to support offline co-op or split screen at all, and that necessarily wasn't uh, detailed in the marketing materials. And that, uh, I don't know, like, I think it's a problem because they didn't note it. Not necessarily because people wanted that feature and uh, they didn't get it. Because, I mean, as a PC gamer, it's kind of like, I wouldn't expect for a game to have, like, offline co-op on PC anyway. Yeah. I mean, some indie games do it, but, like, a major release, I wouldn't expect it. You know, a PC, you you and a friend don't sit around a PC, (laughs) you know, and play co-op games. You you could, but usually not, no. Yeah, exactly. And I think the developers kind of knew that already. Yeah. You know, and I think that I think that's part of the problem. Like they already knew that, but they just didn't uh express that. You know? Uh so actually the the actual uh, material says assert uh assistive co op play. Players will need to switch between two characters, Clara Mora, Barry Natalia to overcome nightmares in their single-player mode with AI partner or offline co-op. And then it says raid mode online co-op functionality. This was added later, I believe. Yeah. Raid mode co-op online functionality to be added at a later date. The PC version does not support offline co-op play in the campaign or raid mode. I don't know. I don't think it's going to be a big deal. But I just it was just, you know, when you are you know delivering a game, all that information needs to be out right away yeah and somebody's already added a mod to the game that actually puts it back in oh okay so yeah so i mean so this is one of those instances where the community kind of stepped up where the developer um you know didn't deliver properly but um yeah i mean if it's that important to you it's available to get that now you just have to take some extra steps to do that um but yeah i mean it's it's really it's it's you know capcom should have listed that information better yeah, especially in the world of like digital pre-orders where you can't return them. Yeah, you know that like all the information needs to be on the table the whole time. You know, so yeah. uh, our last news bite is Valve is partnering with HTC to make a virtual reality headset. So yet another virtual reality headset that I, I really don't see going anywhere. I don't we, see it, Nick. I, we've known that Valve has been working on virtual reality amongst other things for a while so this is just sort of a confirmation that they've actually got a uh, a prototype and also a company to actually manufacture that so we should be seeing something coming soon yeah i don't know i just don't see virtual reality uh, taking hold like having to put a headset on to play a game um i, I guess you know moving your head around to to see and shit like that i don't know like uh, I, I, I mean, it's not. This is not the first time it's happened. You know, we've had stuff like this before, 
and it never really took off. And I think that, you know, people want to be engaged in their game, but they can be engaged in their game without actually, you know, having to put stuff on and move around and, you know, things like that. It's, I think it's, it's a different level of experience. It's definitely a different level of immersion. And I don't, I think, you know, we're still a few generations of the hardware away from this being the ubiquitous VR experience that we're, we're kind of anticipating. But that said, these steps need to happen. We need to get the stuff out there. And I don't know, I don't know if this will take off necessarily as like the next big gaming thing. I mean, this could be kind of like the motion controls, as it were, where they're, they're big for a generation and then we move on to something else. Um, but, it, you know, or, or it could be, you know, one step in a direction and in a greater scheme. I think if we can get to some kind of VR system that doesn't require the headset to the same degree, uh, something more like the HoloLens, where, which is really more augmented reality, but, uh, you know, you can still see what's going on around you. <laughs> so, like, yeah. nobody can walk up and punch you in the face without you realizing it. <laughs> um, I think that's kind of a key to, the, to you know, any, any, any enjoyment you don't want to. You know, I mean, it's it's great that you can shut yourself off from the outside world and get into your your VR, but at the same time, like that that's almost you know, like you need to be aware of your surroundings. That's important to your survival. Yes. So <laughs> I don't know, but like you know, virtual reality headsets, you just you know, you start to notice things like how much your head actually moves when you're playing a game. Hmm. And it can get kind of annoying, to be honest with you. That's <laughs> that's, that's part of the problem, you know. And it's so like you know when you when you don't like you know with the games and especially shooters because that's that's basically what I'm basing it off of. I'm not basing it off of you know RPGs and stuff like that. But like let's say like a shooter, you know, like you're used to having that smooth transition while you're moving around. Even on PC with having you know a much more sensitive, um, uh, you know, input method, it's still rather smooth, you know, yeah. versus you looking around yourself, you know. You can snap your head around so fast on PC, it will break your neck in real life. <laughs> you know, you you can't. You, obviously, you can't do that. Uh, you know, with a virtual reality headset on. I, mean, I guess you can, but that's the thing. Like, if if you put a VR headset on and the screen stays static, you know, no matter how you turn your head, you might as well use like one of those like Sony like visors. Yeah. You know, where it's basically glasses that are a screen. And it makes the virtual reality part, you know, irrelevant. No, I, I think, see, I don't know if shooters will transfer directly out of the box too, because especially once you, once you put yourself in that experience, you know, like you're going to see where, you know, like kind of the, the, you know, your body holding the gun beneath you, but you're going to feel yourself either using the mouse and the keyboard or presumably holding the Xbox controller. There's got to be a little bit of dissonance there. And I think, you know, I mean, uh, I don't want to say that this, you know, like, oh, we're going to have to start getting like gun shaped controllers. But I think, I, th I think th these are some questions that need to be ironed out. I think the, the first experiences that you're going to see, um, you know, like what was one of the, one of the big uh, VR experiences I saw somebody talking about, uh, like they watched a movie in VR, but the thing is that it was like they were in a VR movie theater. Right. And so, you know, that's sort of an easy experience to replicate. There's not much control on your part, but it allows you to kind of get the feeling like, oh, hey, I'm in a theater. I'm watching this on a giant screen as opposed to just sitting at home, even in your home theater, um, you know, which is which still could be nicer than a movie theater. Um, but at the very least, you can go to this movie theater. You don't have to worry about anybody screaming, any kids or anything. You kind of get it's in a way it, it enhances the experience of watching the movie. But again, that's sort of the you know, that's not a very interactive experience. And I think. 
what works for VR, we still we're we're still we're still figuring out figuring out. This is very much in its infancy. Oh, very true. I I think you're right, and I'm not I'm not completely like just brushing it off. But I just don't think I don't know. So many people hopping on. It's like oh, maybe it's a good thing that so many because, people are... because this is this is what we've been raised on. These are all people who are thinking like you know we get the Oculus now and then in five years we'll have the holodeck from Star Trek. You know, <laughs> it's you know that that's the dream that that's that's where we kind of want to get to. Um, or at least they do. <laughs> Although I don't know, that might be cool. But yeah, it's you know we you know this, the, the, you know there, there's a whole you know sci-fi and futurism and all that is is very much looking forward to VR and this is like I said this is the first steps in in a much longer journey. Right. Yeah. So. All right. Let's get into our actual uh, topics for this week. So you know, over the past few weeks, we've been talking about a lot about you know counter cheating and Counter Strike and you know stuff like that. Uh, well, now somebody appears to have an answer, you know, for that, which is a hardware device that you plug your input stuff into. So you like your mouse and your keyboard into that, and then you plug that into uh, your PC, kind of like you would uh, a USB hub. And what this device ultimately does is it tracks the movement of or, or your inputs versus the inputs that are actually happening on the screen, which would definitely help for things like aim bots and things like that, uh, where the, the the computer is moving for you. So basically if your screen moves but your computer but your actual mouse doesn't move, uh it will it will raise a red flag for uh, you know, the the device and it could alert. Uh so this will help with some hacks. Some hacks that it'll definitely help like you know, like I said with aim bots and different hacks um, one thing that they're hoping to do with it is it will, you know, it's something that can be like for online gaming, it can be registered with a, with a service. So, you know, if, uh, you're playing a game and you cheat, the device can register, can, you know, notify the game or notify the service or notify an admin that this was found. Um, now obviously you have to worry about false, false positives. You know, because that even with the, with the anti cheat now, that does happen. That happened, uh, you know, when I was playing on Real Tournament and Counter Strike, not really frequently, but enough. You know, you have to watch for false positives. Uh, but there's still a lot of hacks, like you know, the ones I discussed, like you know, the ones based off of sound, where you know it'll notify you based off of making like a, a ding noise or you know a specific sound that you are now aiming through a wall at somebody. Yeah, and plus I still wouldn't help with wall hacks online because, you know, it, that's your input has nothing to do with that, you know. So I mean, it, it's I think it's uh, I think it's a good idea, but I don't know. It's it's not the it's not the answer answer yet. I don't think there's gonna be an answer. I mean, if I mean, there's still no answer for cheating in professional sports. Um, and admittedly, you know, biology different than technology, but still like, I mean, we're, we're, you know, I I think people are always looking for how they can cheat, how they can game the system, how they can get whatever advantage they can, they can, and whatever competition is here. Um, you know, this is a start and this, you know, ups the level of difficulty for cheating. Um, I'm sure there are ways around this. I'm sure people will find ways around this. I wouldn't be surprised if you take this device, you plug it into another device, and then that device, you know, kind of negates the input and it makes everything look like it's working fine, even though it's not. Um, and, and 
it's it's the start of an it's an arms race. It's we're in an arms race here, and you know th- this is uh, one side lobbying at the other, and now we get to see how they respond. Right. You know, and plus that's the thing about hackers. Like hackers are always coming up with new ways to cheat. You know, yeah. for, so for every anti-cheat you have, it, they're, they're going to come up with another one. So it's, it's a constant development. It's a constant battle. You know? oh, what was There was a movie that I watched with Lou Diamond Phillips. This was like around 2000. I can't remember the name of it. But there were like two – there were like some criminals and there were some cops. And then the, the, the cops were trying to trace a line that the criminals were using. But they had the trace buster so they could break the cops tracing. But the cops had the trace buster buster. But the criminals had the trace buster, buster, buster. But the cops had the trace buster, 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 buster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that. Yes. I mean, ultimately, the best thing would be if, unfortunately, if the actual developer of the game companies were more aggressive and anti-cheat. Because, I mean, I'll be honest, I think anybody who has played Battle Games for a long time, like, VAC, while it works for some stuff, it doesn't really keep up. You know? It doesn't really keep up and it doesn't work that fast. Like, every once in a while you'll see a mass banning. You know? But how's that really helping when, you know, some people have been hacking for years, ruining matches, ruining the, you know, uh, people's experience in the games. You know? I mean, it's great that they eventually get banned, but it, it can be a too little, too late situation. You know? I think Companies that have these games like Valve, uh, Riot, from what I've seen, is actually pretty good, to be honest. So like Valve, Riot, um, you know, Blizzard, they all need to be, they need to have anti-cheat departments, you know, and deal specifically with cheating and tracking hacks and all that stuff. Blizzard does that, and they they recently posted about, uh, you know, that, a lot of times people will see somebody cheating or something and then they'll just kind of post a complaint in the forums like, oh, I saw somebody cheating. Blizzard doesn't care. And Blizzard actually posted a message like, if you see somebody cheating, report it to us. Like, here's the address we have for reporting this kind of thing. You know, here, you know, here's the official way to submit, you know, where you find somebody cheating or botting that we can go ahead and do something. Because if you're not telling us about this, we don't necessarily know. Um, and I know that one of the things they like to do too is they like to gather as much information they can whenever somebody's cheating or whenever there's a group of people cheating. And then once they confirm and, and kind of go over everything, that's when they do the mass bans. So it's kind of like that's, that is their intended procedure to gather as much information they can, vet it all, and then, you know, swing the ban hammer, you know, in one massive swoop. Um, you know, whether that helps because you do, you know, because preceding that ban hammer, you do have, you know, a lot of cheating going on. Whether that actually helps, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I sometimes you just need to be a bit faster, though. I mean, I can understand needing to, uh, I need needing to you collect information. That makes a lot of sense. But sometimes, I mean, dude, like sometimes it takes forever, forever for them to ban. But yeah, but when they do that, then it's always like a hundred thousand accounts banned. Like it's it's it takes them a long time, but then they ban a lot of people. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, they can do mass bans, but at that point, their experience is ruined, and you know, for a lot yeah. of people. Yeah. You know, like some people, like you know, because of cheating, they'll stop playing a game. When if the if the reaction was faster, you know, those people still might be playing. See, well, but that's where sort of the cynical may, may look at this and say, like, oh, well, you know, they're they're intentionally slow to ban because they know that those cheaters are still paying to play the game. Those cheaters are still, you know, 
consuming content. And as long as there's more cheaters playing than I guess people leaving the game, I guess they're okay. But I mean, ultimately they get banned anyway. So I think it's, I think it's just a, you know, we're having a, a circular conversation here. A little bit. Yeah. I, mean, I was going to say, but yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's, 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 it's good that this person's doing it and catching some hacks, but like I said, uh, there's still a lot of stuff, and I ultimately think it's the responsibility. You know what? It's either the responsibility of the developer to actually handle it, or the developer needs to give tools to the community so that they can handle it. Yes. You know? Well, now, Valve has actually done that, but because of the way that tournaments are run and stuff like that now versus, you know, uh, when Cal was doing it, or... Um, you know, ESEA. Well, actually, I'm sorry. ESEA still runs their own tournaments and stuff like that. But they, like, you, you really don't hear about them unless you're in the community. Uh, but you know, with with the way tournaments run, like you don't really see them using really aggressive anti cheat. Yeah. Well, I would think. I mean, if you're going to do a tournament, if you're going to at least do a tournament, like where everybody comes and plays in person, I would. I feel like you should provide the systems. Like that's the safest way. Is if you just give everybody the systems, make them play on that. You know, maybe you have to work with them for whatever level of customization they may want as far as mouse sensitivity or something. But if you don't allow somebody to install anything, if you vet the system ahead of time, if all the hardware is checked out, that's the most secure way. At that point, there's no opportunity for somebody to cheat. Yeah. But yeah. short of that, anytime you're going to have somebody bringing in their own system, or especially for the online competitions, I mean, good luck vetting that because there's always going to be some way to cheat. That's true. But then you always have to be ready to fight back, you know? Mm hmm. So it's kind of like the war on drugs. It's never ending, it's never going to stop. Yes. <laughs> you know? So uh, let's move on to our next topic. Uh, there was a survey done on, you know, why people buy different, you know, prefer certain consoles. Uh, and there was a survey done between PS4, Xbox One, and the Wii U. So for the Wii U, the top five reasons people bought their console was, number one, actually, I'm going to do five to one, okay? How about that? That's more <laughs> exciting that way. I think so. <laughs> so number five was exclusive games and content. Uh, number four was backward compatibility. Number three was price and value. Number two was better for kids. And number one was fun factor. Uh, now me, I would have thought exclusive games and content would have been number one. Well, you know, like I would, I would put that at number one for Wii U, and then back everything else down. But I think the thing here is though, like, what provides that fun factor, especially in the case of the Wii U, it's the exclusive games and content because nothing on the Wii U is available anywhere else. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> the like that should have been number one, and number two should have been fun factor. <laughs> I think the problem is fun factor. Like, what is that even? I mean, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like it's fun, but like, the, the, like fundamentally, that is the fun factor. It is the exclusive games and content. Like they they completely tie together. Right. Unless you think it's fun to just wave the Wii remote around, but you don't even need the Nintendo for that. Just wave your arm. That's, That's fun. True. You know what I'll say about Nintendo games with the Wii and the Wii U? A lot of people didn't buy the software because it looked boring and it wasn't they're interested in. But I have yet to talk to a person who bought a Nintendo game and then didn't have a good time with it. Yeah, I'll be I'll be honest. I'm about to have a mash cast. Uh, what's the word? Uh, what's the word? Yeah, I'm about to admit something. Anyway, I can't think of the word right now. It's too early in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we usually do these at night. All right, that's true. I've only had one meal today, 
So my, my brain isn't doesn't feel like it's that, that is hard on you. You're definitely underfed. Yes, thank you. Um, so basically, like you know, for example, most people won't buy Cooking Mama, right? Yes. But if you actually play Cooking Mama, I don't think you're gonna have a bad time. That's fair. You know, I don't think you're gonna have a bad time playing Cooking Mama. You know, even like what was that Babysitting Mama where they <laughs> they played that on Giant Bomb? That was hilarious. You I know. didn't see that. I oh, that was that. really funny. That was like funny. It was yeah, but it was like you know, like, that's the thing. Like these Nintendo games, like I don't think you're really gonna. They they're built to be fun, like, almost like all games, you know. But a lot of people won't buy them. Like you know, I'd never buy a Cooking Mama just to buy it, you know. Yeah. So, uh, but let's see. Let's look at Microsoft next. No, but before you go on, the okay. way you're reading these off, I just imagine like the uh, the Family Feud board, and it's just like you know five to one. And as you read them off, each one's just dinging and moving up to the next one. <laughs> oh, nice. All right, so um, the next one, oh, Xbox One is number five is Fun Factor. Number four is exclusive games and content. Okay. Number three is faster processing power, which you can chuckle Wait, just, with. Just keep going. We'll come back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> number two is innovative features, and number one is brand. That fits. Yes. That fits. A yes. lot of people will buy an Xbox because it's an Xbox. Yes. You know, they they they, they will. Xbox fanboys, or even not even Xbox fanboys, but those just loyal to the Xbox brand, they will buy it over PS4 because they they fuck. They like they they had an Xbox 360. I'm buying an Xbox One. Yes. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of people, and I think a lot of it has has to do with a lot of uh, Microsoft's uh, them not necessarily focusing on gamers. Or the core gamer, like a lot of a lot of dude bros play Xbox, or a lot of people who just buy like one game, or maybe they like Madden, maybe they like Call of Duty, and that's a lot of a lot of people have those, you know. Yeah, I know people who have Xboxes, have Call of Duty, and still call gamers nerds. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, wow. like it's wow. That's, yeah, it, uh... that's the thing. It's like they they don't consider themselves like gamers. You know, they just they just people play games, which is true. That's that is. I mean, I've said it several times. Like, just because you play a game, just because you have a console, doesn't mean you're an actual gamer. You know, and that and that proves that point. So a lot of people buy the buy based off a of brand. Uh, not that's the number one reason. Like, you know, you would think, I would for the number one reason, I would expect, you know, most of these to be based off of fun or something to do with the games. And so far, Nintendo is the only one who has that, the fun factor. Well, like Microsoft had that, but that was number five. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Man. Fun factor was number five, and then exclusive games and content. It's like, what are you talking about? Halo, Forza, Gears of War. I think that does tie back into the brand, though, a little bit because, and I think you could even kind of argue that brand, you know, as far as fun factor and exclusive games content applies to Nintendo as well. I mean, you know, you're going to have fun on Nintendo because you know the Nintendo brand. That's kind of what they've been. And in this case here, you know, like what, those exclusive games like Halo, like Forza, like that's part of Microsoft's brand. Um, so, it, it, again, it seems like there's really like they've kind of like found three words for kind of the same concept here. And that's that's taken up space on the list. Yeah. So I thought faster processing power was funny. You know, because... Uh... Between, well, I guess if you look at, you know, the Xbox versus the Wii U, the Xbox One versus Wii U, yeah, it's faster processing power. 
but the Xbox One versus the uh, the PS4, like in terms of I think of actual processing power, there's no difference. How the processor is utilized is different, and if that's the, if you want to talk about that, then the PS4 definitely has the advantage. Well, I think there that might. I think that kind of applies as far as the two consoles, you know, the PS4 and the Microsoft are so close performance wise that whichever one you buy, you're going to justify, oh, well, this one's faster. That's why I bought it. Um, and I'm sure you can find metrics to, you know, back up, back that up for either system. Um, but I think, yeah, I think that's why people are going to say, like, I want the one with faster processing power. The one I bought is the one with the faster processing power. And so that's just what you see here. Well, I mean, like, I think with the PS3 and the Xbox 360, there were games going back and forth. Some will be better on that the PS3, some will be better in the Xbox One. Yeah. Uh, sorry, on the Xbox 360, whichever one the primary console was. However, with the PS4 and the Xbox One, you will be hard-pressed to find a, a multi-platform game that performs better on Xbox One. Not, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I think that whoever the people answering this survey may not realize that. And when they're putting down faster processing power, unless they're just saying it's faster processing power than the Xbox 360 and the PS3, um, in which case they're just talking about a general uh, oh, yeah. console that's, generation that's, that's, upgrade. That's, yeah. that's a good point, Nick. They may actually be doing that. But yeah, I think regardless of which system's actually faster, I think if you're if you're going to list, you know, the reason I bought the Xbox One because it has faster processing power, I think you're you're saying that because that's what you believe, and that may not necessarily be true. You are 100% right. So let's move well, on. Oh, sorry, I, I, I just want to say, though, that the innovative features is amusing because with the the Kinect and all the all the stuff that Microsoft was touting as innovative back in the day, it no longer applies to the system. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. So. Uh, and actually, that that being number two, I think it shows that people who bought an Xbox knew what they were getting into. It's you know, it's also interesting to note price value does not show up on the Xbox list because that was one of the things we were talking about all of the you know the holiday season this year was that you know the Xbox had the significant price advantage and it helped them move consoles, but not nearly as much as it needed to. Because um, Sony and, definitely trounced them. Yeah, and nobody, and I'm trying to find when exactly was this survey taken because nobody mentioned, you know, I'm going to get an Xbox because it's cheaper. That's true. Maybe it wasn't even an option. Yeah. It wasn't an option. All right, so let's, the last on the list is the PS4. And uh, number five is what family wants. Uh, number four is faster processing power. Number three is game library. Number two is Blu-ray player, which is kind of unfair. Because, oh, actually, does the Xbox One have a Blu-ray player? It might. I think it does. So maybe not. Okay. So number two is the Blu-ray player. I've actually never stuck a Blu-ray in my Xbox. Not even think. Not even didn't even think about it. Go try. Go try it now. Uh, no. <laughs> so, I'm trying to see how many days consecutively I can keep it off. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it has a Blu-ray player. Probably yeah. And then number one is better resolution. Hmm. Yeah, better. <laughs> better resolution. So, you know, that resolution gate definitely got, you know, some people's attention. It looks there. See, this 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 makes me wonder about the entire survey then because if if a large enough, you know, if a large enough base of the survey population was not only was paying attention to resolution gate, like that I mean, is this sort of like a hardcore 
like you know is this like a hardcore group that they kind of surveyed here this doesn't seem like just a casual list i don't i don't know because resolution gate in terms of the, the game's media was actually pretty big you didn't have to be hardcore to hear about resolution gate you know and it's one of those things somebody probably heard in passing or they saw a whole bunch of headlines go past you know this game has better resolution than, the, than on the PS4 than the Xbox, and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get a PS4 because it's better resolution. You know? If it, I think if it was hardcore, if it was actual gamers, Game Library would be number one. That's, yeah. That's what I would think. Game Library would be number one. And that's, well, you know, and that's interesting, too, because that, when you look at Game Library, are they counting, like, uh, P- PlayStation Next in there? I don't know. I don't think so. Because that, I mean, obviously, like once you ca- once you factor that in for game library, like yes, the PlayStation wins hands down. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. But I don't know. Like game library would definitely be my number one. I think for any gamer, it'll be, you know, number one. Because I'm sorry, it's just the Xbox doesn't have that. It, there's nothing on the Xbox besides like Halo, and Forza. That's worth playing. That's you know exclusive. Yeah. You know, and then on top of that, like, like, well, the games do typically perform better and do have a better resolution on the PS4 than the Xbox One, which is going to be changing soon, I think, uh, because Microsoft loosening their their grip on certain aspects of the core, the processing core. So we'll probably see performance boosts. I don't know next year <laughs> in games. Yeah. Uh, no, maybe maybe it'll come out a little bit a little bit this year in games. Who knows? I thought I thought five was funny because what family wants? You know, that's that's good old PlayStation marketing right there. Yeah. But Microsoft made it so easy for them. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Without Microsoft, you know, touting the game sharing the way they did, Sony could have never made that commercial on how to share a game. Yeah, that's you know? very true. And you know they you do they had to make that commercial at E3. Yeah. That's the cuz that happened so fast. They they could <laughs> not have Yeah, it's not the kind of thing that they had in the pipeline that like they're like, "Oh, like no, they that was definitely in response to what Microsoft did." Yeah. Like they had the like they they, they, they it was probably in one of the the private press areas where they had their stuff. And they just shot the fucking commercial with the camera. Somebody from marketing edited the goddamn commercial and popped it on YouTube. That was it. You know, like come on, like that that they, they they responded to that so fast. But it only Sony's marketing was, I think, largely based on what Microsoft did and didn't do. Yeah, and Microsoft's attitude toward it—that was another big problem. Like when Microsoft said, "Oh, you know, well, for people who don't like." What we talked about with the Xbox One, we have the Xbox 360. When they were talking about the, uh, the you know, the online check-in and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, it's dude, it's. And with the outages, like the outages of Xbox Live, uh, you know that that's a big deal. That's a really really big deal. So we're, I'm really glad that didn't happen. But yeah, but there's I can't even really give great marketing, you know, uh, great. Uh, Big, you know, big kudos to Sony's marketing team because they a lot of the stuff they just bounced right off of the Xbox. Even though they, the Sony's marketing did focus on games way more than the Xbox, like the first Xbox One commercial 
had more to do with fantasy football than games. To be, which, to be fair, that commercial debuted during the very first game of the NFL season. Was it last year or two years ago? Yeah. Two years ago. Two years ago. So, I mean, so that commercial was intended for football fans. Um, yeah. That's it. It probably wouldn't hurt them to show more Madden. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, they still should have showed more games. That was that was Microsoft's problem. They were trying to they they were like, oh, the Xbox it you know surpasses or part of it that transcends too, the media you know the media. Part of that too also comes out of whatever relationship Microsoft has with the NFL because the Xbox is like the official console of the NFL. Uh, you see the Surface tablets on the sidelines, even th- even though the announcers misidentify them as iPads. iPads, yeah. They're still it's still Surface tablets that. Uh, the uh, the coaches and the, the coaching staff have so um, there's I think part of that is due to whatever business deal that uh, I guess the NFL is giving money to Microsoft or I'd have to think that's the one. no or maybe maybe Microsoft's giving money to the NFL I don't know did you ever see that picture it's a little off topic well not off topic because you just mentioned iPads and services but did you ever see that picture of that news anchor where she had a Surface used the kickstand on the Surface to prop up the Surface. Which she then used a prop up her iPad. Yes, yes. Uh, I was like, oh wow, that's dirty. Like, use <laughs> what's available to you, right? Yeah, yeah. Th- th- I thought that was just really, really funny. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. Like Sony, so Sony did focus their marketing way more on games and gamers, and that's what some Sony's been doing for years. To be honest, you know, all of their campaigns of you know. The Long Live Play and the uh, For Michael. What was that campaign called? I forget what the name of the actual campaign was I think was it was called. just called F- For Michael. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, like that That whole campaign was, you know, that the, it's all focused on gamers. And that's the thing that Sony has been doing right. That's why, that's why PlayStation is doing so well because they are really keep remembering who buys their shit? <laughs> you know that that that's why they they remember that. Um, now I will say that Microsoft is way more. I think they're way more successful on the front of the media aspect, like people actually buying episodes of shows and watching different things on their console. I mean, I knew for the for the longest time I used to catch up on shows using Xbox One Xbox Live Video. Yeah. You know, until I had that one problem with that Fringe episode where they couldn't fix it and they wanted to send me a replacement hard drive. I'm like, are you fucking serious? Just give me my $3 back. <laughs> and, like, I don't want to have to replace my entire Xbox hard drive just because this video won't finish the last four minutes. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah. The, the, like, the Microsoft, like, they, they, where they wanted to succeed, they kind of did, but then they just overshot, I think. You know, but I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's I just thought that, that that those charts were interesting. There's one other chart that's on the actual uh, that's on that's on the actual Nielsen survey that uh, has a little more. I guess it's a little more insight uh, as far as like who, what consoles did you own previously, as far as what you bought now, um, and so it, it has the list. Like you know, if you have a PS4, which consoles did you own before? Um, and you know, and, and the same for the Xbox, the same for the Wii U, um, and it only applies to the last generation, the PS3, the Xbox 360, and the Nintendo Wii. And so, 86 percent of people who had a Wii, um, or I should say, 80, 86 percent 
of Wii U owners had a Wii before, which is not surprising. Like everybody had a Wii. Um, you even see that for the other two consoles. Seventy-two percent of PlayStation Four and Xbox One owners also had a Wii. Um, but what's interesting is it, uh, for the Xbox One owners, seventy-six percent had a 360, which outside of that Wii number is the highest. Um, and then for the PlayStation 4 owners, only 66% had a PlayStation 3. So I think there's a little bit of migration there that you can actually see as far as people moving from the Xbox 360 to the PlayStation 4. Yeah, I think you're right. That, that's, that's a very good point. I didn't even see that chart. Good eye, Nick. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that's what Microsoft, you know, Microsoft was being too cocky when they first came out. We've talked about it extensively. well it'll be interesting and i i mean i I think a lot of the moves that we have seen but you know like we've said like microsoft kind of made the same mistakes with the xbox one that uh sony did with the ps3 yes and you know and sony's recovered and they've done very well and i think now it almost seems like the expectation is okay like this is the point in the cycle where sony gets too comfortable and starts doing stupid shit and microsoft gets you know humbled and actually starts to listen and you know i mean admittedly we've still got probably a good five years before the next console cycle but um you know, it'll be interesting to see when those consoles are announced. Does Sony misstep and 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 seed the lead out of you know hubris, or does does Microsoft actually kind of you know listen to what the fans want and deliver a console that uh, you know can get get them the uh, the share back? I don't know. Like I think both like both consoles that both uh, you know manufacturers at this point have had that downfall, and I think they now they know. You know they're they're learning from their mistakes. And I don't know if we're going to see a repeat of, of what we did before. I hope not, because that would suck. <laughs> that would suck big time. Every other generation just jumped to the other to the brand. Yeah, yeah. You know, migrate. Uh, let's move on to our next topic, which is the esports effect, uh, the, and, and, oh, the effect and influence of live events uh, from esports. And there was a survey done uh, by Eventbrite that breaks down some numbers. Uh, some I guess some interesting numbers. Uh, so you know, first is like why gamers attend live events. Eighty-one percent is to be a part of the gaming community. Eighty percent to watch their favorite team. Sixty-one percent to connect with friends that they play with and meet at Line. Fifty-two percent is to meet the pro players. Forty-six percent is to become a better player, which I think is actually in uh, some esports or I mean, if you consider fighting games an esport, it might be a little flipped but we're not going to get into that. Uh, so, you know, and there was another question, are going, after going to esports events, gamers are increasingly likely to uh, be even more avid fans. And uh, so 74% said they play the game more frequently, which is understandable. 86% said they feel more enthusiasm for the game overall. 64% said follow a player or team they saw participate. And 54% that watch recaps of tournament highlights. Uh, then there was also a section that says buy more stuff, which 47% would purchase new content related to the game. 38% would buy goods or services from a brand used or showcased. And 25% would buy new gear to up their playing experience. So I guess what, what, whatever that means. I mean, at first, I know in shooters, it's like, you know, you could buy a better mouse and keyboard. To, to, to play with and get faster reaction times. and Well, not necessarily faster reaction times, but it would be easier to react and control. For MOBAs, I don't know what you would buy to up your game. 
Oh, a fancy gaming mouse that maybe has more buttons on it. Maybe, maybe. Uh, you know, and then after that, you know, 30% would play because they bought new content. And, uh, you know, 41% go to buy exclusive gear uh, that they can't get anywhere else. Okay, so these are like, you know, some, I guess, some base effects of going to an event. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, what do people want when they go to these events? According to this survey, uh, 67% say they want more events more often. 40% say they want more live events outside of major cities. Uh, and 38% say they will travel to another country or continent. Okay. How many people took this survey? 1,500. 1,500. That seems like a lot of people willing to travel. Willing to travel and actually traveling are two different things. That's true. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, sure, yeah. If somebody says, hey, you want to go to Japan? Yeah, I want to go to Japan. <laughs> you know? But it's like, you know, then when you actually talk about money, that's a different thing. Especially when it comes to gamers, that's a big deal. Yeah. You know? So, most of these people go to other events. Like, 70, 72% of people who did this survey actually go to other conventions. You know, other fan conventions. Uh, 30% of people who did the survey go to three conventions or more a year. 10% do go to 5% or more a year. 54% go to LAN parties and local gaming meetups. 35% go to launch and publisher parties. And 28% go, uh, go to celebrity appearances and signings. Okay. Uh, now, what people want when they go to these events? Uh, 43% want a ticket access to pro player team meet and greets. 31% want musical artist performances, and orga- and 22% want organized cosplay and cosplay competitions. And this is where we start to kind of get go from esports being treated like a sporting event to more like a con. Yes. I think. Yes. yes. All right. So, also, uh, with, uh, here we go. Here's some suggestions. They want games everyone can participate in. Okay. They want give us something to do between matches without losing our seats. Offer a small land area where people can play while watching the tournament. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what they do at a con. Now, yeah, that's what you do at a con. <laughs> yeah, I, they, that, they, they, it's, it feels like they want they want uh you know more cons like the esports aspect of it where you go to watch competitive play and you sit there and that's basically what you do. I don't think that's what people really want. People want cons that competitions are at. You know, people yes. want competitions at cons because competitions, of course, are, are nice and exciting and stuff like that, but they don't just want to sit there. Like, you know, you can't equate it to regular sports like somebody going to a football game or a basketball game. No. You know, it's actually closer to a baseball game because uh, there's a lot of people who don't sit in the game, at the seats the whole time. They'll just get up and start walking around. Yeah, and and, if, and that's why if you look at baseball stadiums, that's why they have, you know, they, they tend to be adding, like, you know, like, pitching ranges and stuff and, uh, you know, like, giant food courts and whatnot. Like, the whole point is, like, you know, we kind of want to give, like, you know, like, the family something to do while they're here so they'll stick around during the game instead of leaving and keep spending money. Right. And, yeah, it's 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 the same kind of thing. I mean, it's not even comparable to a game because I guess it's more, it's you know, it's more like a tennis, like like Wimbledon. Like we're because like you know if you're, you're not just going to watch one game you're not just going to go watch even like one team versus another team for the you know for the afternoon you know it's all a bunch of a series of small quick matches 
and then usually one team moves on and usually wind up watching some kind of tournament in fashion. So in that, like I said, it's more like Wimbledon, like that kind of event where you go, you watch a bunch of tennis players. You're not going just to watch one tennis match between two people because that doesn't take that long. So you're going to be there watching a series of things. And, and it makes sense that between matches and, and, you know, maybe there's some matches you don't care about that you'd want something else to do there. But that's why, you know, I don't know if it's it's you know I don't you know I don't know which one's the chicken and which one's the egg here, but it makes sense for cons and esport tournaments to kind of rise up around each other because the con, you know, it, the con you're going to have the community there. The community's going to want those kind of activities. That's what they're saying here is that they want those kind of activities, and so it, it it's almost like the con takes more precedence, and then the esports tournament is adjunct to that. But it's all one giant event, so it's like you go, you see all the people, you know, you get to do stuff, you get to watch some of the events, you get to see some of the other stuff going on at the con. You know, cons are great. I'm, I'm, you know, this is making me sad. I can't go to PAX next week. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's it's not surprising that people. I think. I mean, I'm not saying that if you just had an event at a stadium where people came and just watched a tournament, that that wouldn't be interesting or exciting. But I think overall, people people want more cons, and that's kind of what they're saying. Here. Yeah, the, yeah, it's like you know. Actually, a couple of weeks ago, I think we we talked about how devs there there are way more devs than we thought would uh, they they they're going for it, trying to make esports games because it's it's profitable. But I don't know. Maybe if you can make a game that's popular to play at cons, you'd be just as successful. It's yeah. I mean, and it's the thing too. I think it's not just making an esports game. I think. When when I think when devs say they want to make an esports game, they want to make a game that has a vibrant community. I mean, obviously, if you have a vibrant and established community, like they're funneling money into the game, um, and so that that's you know to the developer's advantage. But if you can make a game with a community that kind of sustains itself, that can support these kind of events, you know, that's the mark of a successful game. Right. And so. I mean, you know, it's one of those things like, you know, especially they're looking at the money, you know, what is it like what 25 to almost 50 percent of people said they'd, they'd spend more money after going to an event like this uh, on like, you know, promoted products and, and the game itself and whatnot. Um, yeah. So, I mean, these events can spur, you know, more commerce for your game, which is, you know, what they want. So, yeah, if you can make a successful esports game, that means you've made a successful game. That means you will be making money. Good job. Yeah, pretty much. I, like well, when I started, I, I read that you know eighty-one percent of people who go to these events go because they want to be a part of the gaming community. When you hear somebody talking about you know going to Wimbledon, you don't hear like, I want to be a part of the tennis community. <laughs> you know, they go to watch the actual matches, not to necessarily socialize. This is, these feel like more social events than anything. What was it? Half the people said that they go to meet the pro players. Like I can't imagine half the people go to Wimbledon because they're going to meet Serena Williams. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And one another interesting uh, statistic was that, you know, what people were willing to pay to attend these. So if it says 41% were able to pay, were willing to pay up to $40 or $50, okay? 18% were willing to pay up to $100, and 19% were willing to pay up to $200. Now, that $200 thing, that's ridiculous. I really can't see people actually paying that, you know? Maybe if you don't have a grasp on the value of money. <laughs> <laughs> But I actually think the up to $99 one should be substantially higher. And that's because, you know, you know we were talking about how it, it, this survey just shows that, not, not that people want more esports, but people want more cons. Uh, I th- you know, if you look at PAX, 
though the 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 date not the day passes but the um the uh three day passes are seventy five dollars and if PAX actually allowed people to buy three day passes through like you know all the way up to you know I guess the the showtime people would just buy three day passes nobody would be buying the single day passes. Yeah, and then the people who miss the three day passes, they buy three day passes, which is three day passes is one hundred and thirty five dollars. Okay, yeah. So you know, may, I don't know, maybe maybe the two hundred dollar one isn't up to two hundred dollar one, meaning that you know they'll pay between a hundred and two hundred dollars. You know, that's not so far fetched. I don't think people will pay like two hundred dollars. You know, but I would say between one and one fifty. For a con, because people are doing that now. But I would definitely say people were, like that number eighteen percent for a hundred dollar ticket to a con or pass. That's definitely um, that's definitely that should be higher. I think. Yeah. To be honest with you, because when you say up to ninety nine dollars, I think a lot of people think ninety nine dollars. They're not necessarily thinking fifty two ninety nine dollars. Yeah. That's part of the problem. But yeah, people. Would definitely pay more, I believe, because they do already. Exactly, they do exactly. already, and they want cons. They don't want esports; they want cons. It's more of a social thing than anything. Exactly. It's like actually, to be honest with you, you're probably more of an actual esports fan if you're sitting at home watching it on Twitch, because then that's all you're doing. Not on you're watching the the actual matches, match for match, and then on top of that, you're watching the uh, the streams. Oh, sorry, not the stream, but the commentary. So if you and a group of friends get together and watch a stream together at somebody's house, that is closer to being like a like a real I would say like you know more core esports than this is than actually going to an event. You want cosplay competitions at a fucking esports events? <laughs> well, the thing too is you know though that even if it is just a regular esports event, there's still gonna be people that dress up for that. Oh yeah, which is fine. That's yeah. fine. Now you dress up for it. I mean, shit, people dress up for football games. So. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> You know, but yeah, people, people. Where's, where's my football cosplay competition? Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, who can who can paint themselves silver and black the best? <laughs> you know, so you know, but yeah, like you want cosplay competitions? Like you really want the organizers of this event to do that? And not to mention, like the the, the actual competitions going on while these cosplay events will be going on. Yeah. So now you're splitting the audience. Oh, I just came here for the cosplay competition. Like, really? <laughs> well, are you splitting the audience or you're growing the audience then because now then you've got a bunch of people coming just for the cosplay competition but at that point then it's a con <laughs> yes at that point it's a con and then you have conflicts like it's like I, I don't i don't know i don't necessarily like mixing the peanut butter and the chocolate all the time <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing because you know now you like the 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 the, the venues would be more crowded, which of course the venue will love that, the organizers will love that, but it's not necessarily the best thing for the fans. I mean, look at Comic Con. Yeah. Oh my god, well, I, I refuse Comic-Con, to go to a Comic Con now. It's not Comic Con anymore. It's all it's Hollywood Con. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like I remember that first, that first sign. Like, I guess you could say when when it really started going downhill, Twilight ruined, ruined Comic Con. That sign will echo forever. Uh, uh, you, you never saw that? I know, I know what you're talking about, but I feel like that's—that's like—the downfall started before that. Like that's the like you can you can use that as a demarcation line, but well, yeah, it started before that, but that was the tipping point. Yeah, that was the tipping point right there where the the 
the the con halls were so filled with Twilight fans that it was disrupting the actual comic book fans. You know? I was paying the ass. It's kind of like PAX now. I mean, I'll be honest with you, dude. If I wasn't getting a media pass, I wouldn't be going to PAX. Because, yeah. you know, if I, was getting, if I was not getting a media pass, I would not be going to PAX because of how crowded it gets now. Yeah. On the show floor specifically. We haven't seen a problem with the, uh, I think, with the panels. Because a lot of people who go there, I would say the non-gamers or the casuals, they will go on the show floor and that's it. But the, um, you know, people who go to the panels are typically a bit more hardcore. Not hardcore, but they're more core, I should say. They're more core gamers. Yeah. Um, but actually, I will give Penny Arcade oh, credit where credit's due. Like, they really worked on uh, their layout for the exhibit floor, and man, did it open it up. Really? Oh, yeah. I think the year that you went, it was, was the first year where they really opened it up. That, okay. was, that was really good, because the year before that, dude, it was bad. It was really, really bad. Yeah, it was, it was the show floor was bad. Huh. You know, like, yeah, and you know me, like, I'm not a small guy at all. I'm a, I'm a big guy, and on top of that, I'm carrying a pretty big backpack with me because of all yeah. my stuff. And, like, yeah, getting around was not easy. It was not easy at all. So, uh, yeah, they, they, they definitely opened it up. Uh, hopefully, you know, they just continue to improve on that, and uh, we'll see. But, yeah, if I didn't have a media pass, I wouldn't be going, man. Yeah. Unfortunately. So... Yeah, this is. I thought this was, this was some interesting information on you know on esports, which now we know and you know because we said it. People want more cons. Yes. <laughs> we said it's it's true because we said it. <laughs> I want more cons. You know what it is? I want more cons, but I want a cons down here. I want I want packs Atlanta. Damn it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Atlanta that. I can't imagine it's not going to be more video game stuff down there because, mm-hmm. that, I mean, well, first of all, that that has been like you know a growing place for a long time. Yes, and uh, you know I, I I can definitely see something big happening. And I don't know if they have a PAX Atlanta. They already have a PAX South in Texas. I know that's still too. That's actually further away from Texas. Is further from here than Boston. It is. Yes, or like where I forget what they have in San Antonio in Texas. I think like that. That's actually like it's like. 13 hours there and it's like 12 hours to boston or something like it was it was yeah just slightly further oh driving yeah what about flying uh that's all the same <laughs> oh okay <laughs> it goes in the air it comes down whatever exactly yeah it'll be, <laughs> still a pain in the ass yeah so uh yeah i can't imagine that like you know atlanta is gonna be a of Dracon, this fighting game stuff that happens on there. Not necessarily in Atlanta, but I think in the surrounding areas. Mm. So, well, okay, let's move on to our last topic, which is a video from that PBS show. What is it called? Uh, hold on, I'm going to pull it up real quick. Uh, game Dash Show. It's Game Slash Show, not Dash. That's, that's what it is. And it's the name of the topic was Why Are NPCs Still Racist? So I'm like, okay. Gotcha. And there are some definitely there are definitely some examples that could be used of stereotypical and racist NPCs. But I don't know who writes this show or if they just didn't want to spend a lot of time actually researching the issue. But some of the the examples they brought up of racism in NPCs I thought was ridiculous. Like they brought up one of the first ones they brought up was Resident Evil. 
I brought up Resident Evil 5, saying that a white protagonist was killing black, uh, you know, NPCs. And that's, that's racist. And I'm just like, are you serious? Like, the game takes place in Africa. Well, th- that's... <laughs> that's one of those situations where... It, I, I want to say we talked about this when they when they did they the game came out and there was the trailer where people were claiming it was racist because yeah it shows a white guy just like shooting into a bunch of black zombies um, and it's not it's one of those things where the the story as it's told it creates a situation that appears racist it's just poorly conceived the fact that, uh, that he even mentions the fact that he even mentions that some of the zombies chuck spears like it's one of those things where it's it's kind of playing into preconceptions which valid or not because you set the the zombies in africa the argument kind of falls like either the i guess either the protagonist should have been black so then it's only black on black violence or you should just not have put it in africa because it just looks bad um but it's not great but it's not pure it's it's more that's more like incidental racism it's not like they're they're out like hey let's make a game where a white guy just beats the shit out of black people yeah resident evil like that's not what happened but it is it doesn't it doesn't look good that's the problem. Now, well, yeah, well, where was he? I think in Resident Evil 6, you go through Asia and you're killing a bunch of Asian zombies. Where was he in Resident Evil 4 when you're killing a bunch of Spanish zombies? Oh, those are fine. They're not black. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the problem. Like, Resident Evil, Resident Evil has been killing white zombies since the, since the, uh, the, the 90s. <laughs> okay? And that's okay. But as soon as you start killing black zombies, that's where the issue is. You know, that's when people complain. Even when Resident Evil 5 came out, people were complaining about it. I thought that was fucking stupid because the last one was a bunch of Spanish zombies and people had no problem chopping those people up. So as you get black zombies, like, that's the thing. Like, you know, it's only racist because it's perceived as racist. It, it's, like, you know. I don't know. I don't even know if I can say this. It's almost like it's only racist because of perceived white guilt. Yes! Exactly. <laughs> That is exactly like perceived white guilt. That's that's exactly, you know, the problem. And then he starts talking about like you know Zelda, Legend of Zelda, and then the Gerudos, and you know he, he says the protagonist is white. He's also like an elf. <laughs> is that? Do, do you want to bring that up? Well, the, the problem there is that because elves don't actually exist, they could be any race, and of course they chose white. But I think that that kind of goes back to well, one is Link white or is Link Asian? I would have kind of. A, I'm th- he he could be Asian. Like that's the thing. Like, who knows? Nobody cared. That's why nobody talked about it. <laughs> no, it's it's. I mean, I get his I get his point. Like, oh, here's another case of a lighter skinned group, you know, Link and the Elves beating up on a darker skinned group, Ganon and the Gerudos. But, but do like, you know why they have darker skin? Because, because they, they live in the desert. But see again, again, like it, the actual reasons for this aren't important. It's the appearance. It's the appearance of white people beating up on black people that that, that caused this problem. Or in this case, or I would say they 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 represent Middle Eastern people more. Yeah, you know, but that's the thing. Like the Gerudos, like this is this is an example of somebody not really looking at anything. Like the, the Gerudos are supposed to be like like an outcasts. You know what I'm saying? They're supposed to be like an outcast group. They don't live near regular civilization. And because of that, their culture is different. You know, and, and, and you know, that, 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 that's the thing about the Gerudo. Is like, I, I highly doubt Nintendo made that group of people specifically because they had darker skin. 
So you're saying there's this group of, of, of people who have been outcast from society who look different and who live in harsh conditions, and then this little punk white kid shows up with a sword and just beats the shit out of them. Well, that's, I didn't say they were outcast. I was saying they, they are outcasts. Like, you know, they don't live near, says they don't live like, near the rest of society. Like, they're different. So wait, now you're saying that Link hates outcast? No, I'm not saying that. Like, why are you trying to put words in my mouth, Nick? <laughs> this is you, you being trying to be the games industry public defender. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> uh, not bad. No, I, like, you, they're, like, their skin color and what they do kind of goes along with the story. Yes. You know what I'm saying? That, that's the thing. It's not just kind of like, oh, well, these people are brown, so kill the brown people. Well, I think the problem is that... And like all these, it, 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 is the problem is that fundamentally, at least in the case of like, it's almost like you, if you're going to have like a protagonist and antagonist, if the protagonist is white, then the antagonist also has to be white because otherwise it's a white person beating up on a minority. And then we're going to complain about diversity in games. Exactly. Um, so, which means that the protagonist has to be a minority. <laughs> and then I guess the protagonist at that point can either be white or the same minority. Because again, if it's even if it's a different minority, then you've still got some kind of minority on minority violence. Right. But then, you know, they also want to talk about the trash lady from DSX and they wouldn't even brought it up if the, if the protagonist was black. Well, arguably, if the protagonist was black, he would have he would have had access to that part of the society that she provided access to. He wouldn't have needed her as an NPC then at that point. He and that part's actually pretty racist in itself, <laughs> because just because he's black doesn't mean he can he can you know slip into the seedy underworld of that city. He doesn't have the contact she had. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. The, 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 the roles that had to be completely flipped, you know. Like, would they have said anything if, if it was a white trash guy that had, you know, underworld contacts? No. But it's, you know, it is perceived racism yeah. because that's, that's kind of what people see. You know? That's the part that, that, that that's, that's the, the one of the most annoying parts about this, you know? And even, like, he brought up Call of Duty, how yes. oh, you know, well, the developers are there, you know identifying the enemies by making them different from the player by making them, you know, brown skin and wearing turbans. And it's like that right there is racist. Cause now you're assuming everybody's playing Call of Duty is white. Like you're assuming that not every, like everybody, you know, you're assuming that everybody who plays, nobody plays Call of Duty is actually like, you know, can be brown or wear a turban or look the same way the enemies do. You don't even know how your player looks until I think, when do you actually see him? I think you actually see him in either part two or is it three? You actually see him and he's white. But well, you don't know that until throughout the first game. When you're doing the multiplayer, you can either play as like the, the soldiers or the terrorists, right? Yeah. Okay, and so when you play as the soldiers, do you get to choose your skin color or it's just randomly assigned? If you want to. If you wanted to. Okay, so you could theoretically be playing as a black soldier at that point. And multiplayer, yeah, but he's all yeah. about the single player. Okay, well, no, well, he, he's talking, but he also talks about how um, they use the skins, like you know, they they basically have these the, the other team wearing darker skins, the same way that Madden has different teams wearing different jerseys. And that is such a reach. That's such a stretch, dude. Like, that, are you serious? Like, no. You you know how you identify the enemies in Call of Duty? They're shooting at you. <laughs> that is how you know who to kill. Uh, that's that the is Captain America defense. Yeah, that's how you. Yeah, it's the guys who are shooting at you. That's how you know who are your enemies. Okay. I mean, like depending on like some of the games, 
Like a lot of times they'll wear different uniforms and shooters. But in some shooters, the enemies and the and the allies look so similar. It's like you shoot one. If he doesn't die, it's like okay, then he's he's probably my ally. Like you'll you'll shoot an ally, but hey, what are you doing? And that's it. Like it's very it's actually rare to find a shooter where you shoot one of your allies and they actually die. But then like two minutes later, like somebody comes from like you know a curtain in the back, <laughs> and now your your team is back, you know, to the way it was. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, this this whole video really felt like a reach. the The best point he had is with the trash lady, but even that is is a stretch. I mean, like, yeah, this is an issue that can be explored, but I don't know. Like, you, they need to actually dig deeper. Like, starting off with that whole fucking Resident Evil thing, it started off the wrong way. He does get into talking a little bit about tokenism, and I can kind of see the argument there. But I feel like fundamentally, he's arguing it's like. NPCs are underdeveloped in some cases, and, and a lot of times writers rely on stereotypes and crutches because that's shorthand. And he says this way they can get to the part of the plot that's important and matters, and it, it's it's one of those things where it's like they're trying, they're including okay, they're 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 including a, a you know a minority character, and they're relying on stereotypes, and that's kind of wrong. But at the same time, it's like they could have just as easily put in a white character and then moved on and not had to worry about that. So fundamentally, it sounds like he's arguing for better development of NPCs. Um, which I won't disagree with, but at the same time, it's like, you know, we've seen companies with all the development time that they have and the quality of the games that they can and don't put out, uh, you know, with that time. I'm not saying that stereotypes justify like, oh, hey, like we don't have time to really work in a, a minority character. So let's just throw in, you know, this random stereotype. So at least there's something there. I mean, it's one of those things like that's not ideal at all. I suppose that's better than nothing, though. Because, I mean, you you know, at that point, then you just wind up with a whitewashed game if it's like, well, we don't even have time. I mean, that's the Ubisoft defense. We don't have time for minorities in other groups. Everybody's a white man. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, 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 it's one of those things where fundamentally, if people just tell good stories, if they don't rely on stereotypes, if they don't, re- you know, because it's the stereotypes that lead to the tokenism. If it makes sense for everybody to be there, then – then yeah, then then that that'll be fine. There won't be any perceived racism. That'll take care of itself. The one thing that I didn't understand though is I couldn't tell at the end if he was praising or condemning Bioware because he was talking about how the chief from Mass Effect is black, but then it sounded like he was like, but like his blackness doesn't come into play. And I'm not sure if he was making that as a good point. No, or I think he was making that as a good point. Actually, okay. I'm glad you brought that up because right before that he talked about Bioshock Infinite and how they used race as like a gritty you know, a, a way to make the game gritty. And to that, I'm like, fuck you, because you definitely didn't play that game. Like, the people, the, the oppressed people in that game, some were white. It was any person who was not, like, white, white. <laughs> like, if you yeah. were, like, I mean, I'm talking about, like, 1920s white. Like, yes. yeah, like you had to, like, if you were, I, I don't like, Anglo, is it Anglo-Saxon? Is that the word that I'm looking for? Because, like, if you were Irish, or yeah. you know something like that. Like you were one of the like in in Bioshock Infinite, they were working under the oppressed conditions. Actually, in the beginning of the game, where did you ever play Bioshock Infinite, Nick? Yes, yes, I did. Okay, so you remember in the beginning of the game where they want you through the softball at the couple? Okay? Yes. One of them, well the, well, the girl was black, but the guy was Irish. Yes. You know, and so like I think of the groups I saw down there, or they identified there was black, white. Oh, sorry, there was black, Irish, and Asian. Yes. And that those are the three groups that they identify. They didn't really didn't, uh, any, identify any other um, groups. I'm pretty sure the, you can throw Native Americans and whatever else in there as well. Hispanics, too. 
but that was the perfect utopia that they were living in, you yeah. know, and they that they, and so like yeah, like it wasn't just you know just just racism. It was it was it was more than racism. It was it was a classism or I don't know. It was it was a more purified version of racism. Yeah, if if that if that if that makes any sense. Well, I mean, yeah, and, and and really, yeah, really, I mean, it was fundamentally kind of like an economic struggle, and that you had the lower class versus the upper class. Um, but uh, who's 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 the one uh, the one leader of the 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 underclass? Yeah, forget the, was it Daisy? I want to say Daisy Buchanan, but I don't think. No, it's not Daisy. It's um, oh god, what is her name? She looks like Erica Badu. I think Erica Badu could fucking play her really well in a movie. Yeah. And yeah, and I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they, they, I mean, they, they did, a, you know, they did a good job as far as representing like the, the class struggle in that regard. Um, but again, though, it winds up where you've got a white protagonist beating up on black people at some point. Well, that's when they have the slave rebellion. Yes. <laughs> that's a, that's a different person. You go through half of that game killing white people and then the tables turn when you go to the alternate well, fuck it. I'm sorry. I'm sort of ruined it for somebody. When you go to the alternate world, and now like the the the, the slaves or those or those people have rebelled. Yes. You know that's that. Then now you now you're well. But the thing is, you're not just killing black people. You're also killing the Asians and you're killing the the Irish. All those who were oppressed there and yeah. now who are who are rebellion, who are rebelling. Sorry, who are rebellion? Uh, they are. You know, all of them. Were are 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 attacking you now? Yeah. No, the Bioshock Infinite. You you kill everybody pretty much. <laughs> At yeah. some point, everybody turns on you, and you have to kill them. And so yeah, so it's, it's, it's Daisy Fitzroy. Fitzroy, yes, thank you. Daisy Fitzroy, join the Vox Populi. Yes. Uh, that's yeah. That, that's it. So yeah, it's. I don't know. Like the, it's, the point he's trying to make is that you, you know, they try to, and that that's not even a major point of the game. No, that's not like the whole like it's something that's brought up, but it also it goes really well with the time. Yes, with the time period, it, it helps set the mood and the timepiece. That's what it does. But it's not you're at no point are you fighting for their freedom. The whole time you're trying to get Elizabeth and get her out of there. That's what you're doing. You yes. Know? And now I want to replay Bioshock Infinite. That was an awesome game. That was good. That was good. That was an awesome game. Was, uh, did you play it all the way through? Yes. Oh, see, that's how I know it's good because Nick played a shooter all the way through. <laughs> I'm glad I did. I yeah, it was, yeah. It was, I'm actually playing through the DLC. I stopped on the second part of the DLC and I never picked it back up. Oh, uh, how, so, how much is that? I might pick it up if it's on sale. I don't know. So I think this is. I don't even know if you can get the season pass now. The season pass was thirty bucks, but I don't know if you if you get a chance. I, I would. It's good. Okay, it, it takes you back. And then in part two, you play as Elizabeth, and it's a little different. Like it's oh, way, cool. it's way more focused on stealth, because even like you firing the same weapons, it comes off weaker. Because she's a girl and she's weaker, and that's well, because she's not necessarily experienced with the weapons. That's the thing. That's... Because she's because she's a woman, and she should. Well, no, because she, it's not because she's a woman. <laughs> don't be, don't do that, Nick. It's not because she's a woman. It's because her personally, like she. Well, you you played her story. You know yes, what I her know, what her know, upbringing is. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. We don't need a certain somebody listening to this podcast and taking notes. Okay, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. 
but yeah, it's it's a good deal. So I would check it out for sure. Yes. Okay. That's gonna wrap up the podcast. Uh, yeah, I don't really think there's anything worth mentioning coming out here. I just had it up there. Where is it? Uh, no, I mean, uh, <laughs> Resident Evil Two Revelations is coming out on the tenth, but that's about it. GDC is this week. Oh, well, hey, that's right. Hotline Miami Wrong Number is out on the tenth as well, which means I need nice. to finish Hotline Miami. I'm like three levels away from finishing Hotline Miami. Nice. Yeah, I gotta, so. I gotta get on that too. I'm. I'm... Like three ovals in the Hotline Miami. So. Oh, yeah. I love that game. That game was so good. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not really seeing um, anything. Oh, shit. Jamestown is coming to PS4. I didn't see that. Jamestown Plus. I hope it has online co-op. Oh, I hope it has online co-op. I got to look into this. I did not see that. Do you ever play Jamestown, dude? No. I, I, what, what, what was that game? Like, what That's, it? it's, a top, it's like a top-down like shooter. Oh, okay. You know, it is so good. It's 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 a it's really really fun. It's a bullet hell shooter. It's called Jamestown Plus. Okay. Uh, and that's what, at least that's what's listed as here. And um, I think you know if it, if that has co-op, that'll be so awesome. So awesome. Mario Party Ten is also coming out on the twentieth. And uh, Borderlands The Handsome Collection is coming out on the 24th for PS4 and Xbox One. I'm probably going to skip that one because I have all that stuff already for PC. You know, I really don't see a need to buy it again. Especially since I didn't, like the pre-sequel, I've stopped playing it. That shit was so boring. Really? Yeah, pre-sequel, that definitely oh. not, it's not the same. Not the same. But yeah, that's going to bring us to the end of our podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, you can catch us on soundcloud.com slash smash those buttons. We are on iTunes. We are on Stitcher Smart Radio for your Android and iOS devices for downloading and streaming. Uh, we are on twitter.com slash mtb site, facebook.com slash smash those buttons, and youtube.com slash smash those buttons. Uh, we have a few of the podcasts. It's the beginning of the month. So let's see. We got the, obviously the Mashcast. Later this week, we're going to have a double tap. And also, we're going to have a new WoW talk. Okay, so that's this week. Next week, not going to have a match cast on Monday, that's for sure, because I'll be coming back from PAX on Sunday. Uh, Monday, I don't know if you can have time, Nick, but maybe we could do like a little PAX recap. Um, yeah, I'll, be, I'll, be, yeah. I'll be curious to hear about everything. Yeah, so we could do that Monday, which means there might be like a special edition match cast out on Tuesday. Uh, then there is going to be... Uh, next week, well, not next week, but we, that, that same week, we're going to try to get another N-Orbit out. I'm not sure which day, though, because I got I got to talk to the guys to do that, but we, we will have episode two of N-Orbit out. Um, yeah, and then, you know, we'll have a MASH cast every week after that, play- and then another have- WoW talk. Yeah. Have you played Destiny since the patch hit? No. that had, The patch happened on Thursday? Thursday, yeah, Thursday. No, I'm sorry, I did play it, but I didn't uh I didn't play any crucible. Oh, uh, okay. So I'm not sure. Actually I told somebody I would help them get through the Thorn Bounty today, so I'm actually gonna do that. Remember when they share your screen, you're supposed to delete their characters. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. Alright, well thanks guys. Thanks for listening. We will catch you guys next week. Yeah, have a great week everybody. Peace.